go. All right, Psalm 97, verses 1 through 12. Let's give our attention to God's word. It says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame, who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous, and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. The Bible says that all men are like grass. And that all, man, uh, all man's glory is like the flower of the field. And the grass withers and flowers fade away, but God's word stands forever. So let me pray for us before we talk about it more tonight. Heavenly Father, we do stop and ask you to be here with us, to pray to you. And we do that not because it's just what you do. It's just customary to pray before you preach. Or any other reason like that. Father, we stop and we ask you and pray to you because we we recognize that we need you. That we need you to break in. We need you to break in by your Holy Spirit and to teach us these words. To apply these words to our hearts. So Father, would you do that tonight? Would you cause your word to go out and accomplish its purposes like it says it does. And Father, we ask it expectantly and hopefully in Jesus' name. Amen. It doesn't take too much looking around uh, the world to realize, of course, that the world is a pretty crazy place. Uh, That there's a lot that is just filled with terrible things. Evil, that it's just chaotic. Um, just looking at my Google, Google News page today, so all the things I'm about to tell you, just from today, right? you can just look around the world, so in the world section, there's an American woman being held captive in Uganda for a $500,000 ransom, uh, 30 people died in a wildfire in China, also in China, a Chinese kindergarten teacher poisoned 23 students in their class. Didn't seem like any of them uh, had died. Several of them were in critical conditions. Um, In the U.S., in our country, you might have seen a USC, South Carolina student, got into a car that she thought was her Uber, and she uh, ended up murdered. A 19-year-old kid in Atlanta, after a long day of work, knocked on the door of what he thought was his girlfriend's apartment because it looked identical to his girlfriend's. It was just a few doors down. Uh, only to be shot by the owner of that apartment from the second-story balcony. 
Um, one person dead in another chemical plant explosion in Houston. Four people found murdered in a warehouse in North Dakota. A Miami man who hacked his wife and 10-year-old daughter to death. And there was plenty more. In the Waco area, divers are searching for a gun that a guy used to kill uh, a mother and her infant daughter. Uh, a man was murdered, shot in the back in East Waco on Monday night. And... A four-year-old is back in the hospital from complications uh, from when he was shot five times by his stepfather. Once in the head and four times in other various places in his body. And that guy, by the way, killed his mother-in-law and himself. That was right around here. And as if that stuff wasn't enough, right? There's just sort of the Google news of your, uh, of your own life, Right? The stuff that actually affects you if you're not in one of those stories. Right? The things that the test that goes wrong, uh, the, when your car breaks down when, and you find out you need new tires and some struts and various things. Uh, when you get broken up with, when your family falls apart, when you're sick, when you hate the way that you look, or any of the other million things, Right? Uh, life can feel really chaotic and out of control. So what do we do with that? What do you do with that? Right, it's so tempting to try, it's what we all try to do, is try to get our hands around it. And even if we can't get our hands around all of life, we try to get it around some corner of life and try to control it. But you probably know that that doesn't work, even though we try it. So what do we do? Well, this semester, uh, if you've been with us, you know we're studying through the Psalms. And we say every week that our theme is dealing with feeling, dealing with our feelings, because psalms are songs, and songs traffic uh, in emotion. They help us to um, understand our feelings. They help us to express our feelings. They even can help shape how we feel. And the psalms do the same thing for us. And I think this psalm, Psalm 97, can help us uh, with, our, with feeling out of control. Or maybe our desire for control, depending on your perspective. Because it helps us to see what's true. And what is true, what we see in the psalm, is that God is in perfect control. Because he reigns as king. And so I want us to see three things uh, from the psalm about God's reign tonight. Three things. First, we're going to see that God reigns over all creation. That's verses 1 through 5. Secondly, we'll see that God reigns in righteousness and justice. Verses 6 through 9. And then thirdly and finally, we'll see that God reigns to deliver his people. That's verses 10 through 12. So let's dig in and take a look at that. First, we need to see that God reigns over all creation. Again, this is the first part of the psalm, verses 1 through 5. And the psalmist tells us right up front where he's going with this song or psalm, right? He says, the Lord reigns. That's what the whole thing's about. And and because he does, we can rejoice. And we have to say we don't know much or really maybe anything about the background of this psalm. Uh, But one thing is plainly obvious. The psalmist has been uh, brought to remember or probably remember, maybe see for the first time, very vividly, that God is king over everything. That he reigns. 
um, from parallels of this, this phrase, the Lord reigns, that we see throughout the Old Testament uh, in a handful of places. Uh, what we see from that phrase is that it's not just a, uh, it's not just a sort of simple statement of fact. Um, it has more the sense of this announcement, this kingly proclamation that's, that's going out. God reigns. Um, that he, it's announcing his power and his authority over everything. Everything in creation, right? His lightnings light up the world. Um, and so what we see is that he reigns with power and authority over everything. He has the ability to carry out whatever he wants to do. Because of his authority and his power. And he has the right to do it. Uh, a few years ago, I guess it's more than a few now, 2006, whatever it is, 13 years ago, uh, Amy and I got the, uh, had the unique privilege of going to see the last game, what ended up being game six, or was game six, what ended up being the last game of the NBA Finals in Dallas. Um, and so basically in an incredible act of kindness, um, somebody that had uh, season tickets or, and tickets to the finals gave us tickets to go see game six. Uh, Amy and I and then another couple friend of ours. Uh, Mavericks play in the heat. This is Dwayne Wade, Shaq. Yeah. And Amy and I got uh, our group. We had a parking pass, which was super cool. And we sat on the 13th row. 13th row, pretty much center court, which was Legit, It was awesome. And I tell you that not to brag, but to tell you, to sort of uh, exhibit that I had a good seat. I could see. And I'm telling you that for this reason. One, I'm going to tell you about the, I think in the whole experience, probably one of the coolest things that I saw was this. So it was late in the game, and there was a call that went against Dallas. Referee made a call, went against Dallas. Nobody really liked it. And I just happened to be looking at Mark Cuban. Right, He's the owner of the Mavericks, you know I'm talking about, hyper-involved owner, very animated. I happened to be looking right at him, and he wasn't looking at me, but I was looking at him. And I noticed that, because he sits right there on the end of the bench with the team, and I noticed that he looked over at the scorer's table, the media table right there. As soon as this call was made, he looks at the scorer's table, and he gets somebody's attention, and he makes this sort of circular motion with his hand, right, and sort of like, do it again. And then he looks up at the Jumbotron. And I thought for half a second, I thought, what is, what is he doing? And then it hit me. I know exactly what he's doing. He just told the, the Jumbotron guy to replay the play so he could see it. And so I look up at the Jumbotron, and sure enough, like three seconds later, they replay it. And I, like, that was like the coolest thing I saw that night. Think about that. There's what, I don't know, 20,000, I don't know how many people, the, what, American Center seats. Thousands of people, and he's the only one. He's able to look at the guy, I want it replayed on the Jumbotron right now, and it happens. It was awesome. Right? Imagine if I tried to bring about that same result, right? It's not going to work. I could do anything. I could, you know, do the circular, let's do that again. I could wave my hands. I can... I could attack the guy. It's not, I'm just going to get arrested. I don't have the authority. I don't have the ability. It's not in my power. 
right? It's, it's pretty cool to, be, to have ultimate authority and power over an entire arena because you own it. And you own the team and the Jumbotron guy does whatever you want. That's pretty amazing. But think about the fact this psalm is, is telling us that God has the power over everything. Everything. Right? It's one thing to own a basketball team and be in an arena and be able to do that. But the text says that the mountains melt like wax before God. That it tells us that God commands lightning. Right? How, do you, how do you illustrate that? Right? It doesn't even need an illustration. It's amazing. He has the ability and the authority to do whatever he pleases because he's in perfect control. So what does that mean for us? Well, verse 1 says that somehow it means joy for us. Rejoice because God is on his throne. Because he reigns over everything. Is under his, everything is under his power. And it means somehow that we can begin to find joy even in this broken, messed up world. Because there's not one little aspect of it that's outside of his control. Not one little, not one corner of it. There is no tragedy that strikes because God fell asleep at the wheel. Or because he wasn't paying attention. The God that can mount, melt mountains is in perfect control. He hasn't been moved off the throne. Right? It reminds us, it helps us to think about the fact that our loved ones getting sick, our loved ones dying, uh, the financial difficulty that we're going through, our family fighting all the time, um, the difficulty I'm having in, in school, um, the fact that work or studies are not as fulfilling as they used to be, uh, the sin that I'm struggling with, whatever it is, that, those, that none of those things are evidence of the fact that God has lost control. He reigns over everything. And it also means that there's joy. Uh, we can find joy because the God that is in control of, of all of those things, He actually has the power to do something about them. He can change those things. And He might. So we can begin to find joy. Because God reigns. Uh, Secondly, the second thing we need to see here in this psalm is that God reigns in righteousness and justice. Look at verses 6 through 9. And actually, as as uh, as we look at those, you'll notice back in verse 2, it says righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And that seems to sort of uh, very much frame up what he says in 6 through 9. It seems to sort of be the template of what he talks about there. See, the first little section centers around righteousness, and then the second about justice. Um, And I think overall what you see is that these verses tell us that God reigns over creation with righteousness and justice. In other words, everything that God does, he does for good. That he uses, yes, he is sovereign over everything. 
And whatever he wants happens, happens. And everything he does is always for good. It's always right. It's always bringing about justice. And that's good news, right? The world's a broken place. We just rehearsed that pretty vividly at the beginning. And we're broken people, but we could say it this way. God is always about the business of putting things back to right. The way they're supposed to be. Right? We all know, we all feel like bad people should get punished. Wrongs should be made right. Injustice should be uh, overturned. Justice should reign. And this psalm tells us that God is actually doing that right now. For some reason, don't judge me, it made me think about, it made me think about a Rubik's Cube. Whatever. Um, if you think about it, right, you know Rubik's Cube, right? Nod. It's still a thing, right? Okay, good. Otherwise, this illustration would really be rough. Um, the whole point of the Rubik's Cube is to is to put it back the way it's supposed to be. Which ironically is the way you bought it in the first place, which is kind of strange, but right, it's the journey that counts. Um, but once it gets messed up, once it gets messed up, if you don't know what you're doing, it's just going to stay this sort of jumbled mess of color. And you can mess with it all you want to, and it, if you don't know how to put it back, it's just going to be a mess. All right. Again, don't judge me, but I got on YouTube. You can get on YouTube. You should do this. Just look at one or two of these. Google or, uh, you know, look at YouTube and then search for like Rubik's Cube record. And you can find people, right? The, the record is like 4.2 seconds. Okay? It's fascinating to watch. And it's just insane what some of these folks can do. And what you begin to see is that these folks take this jumbled mess and not only do they know how to put it back together, but they know the best way to put it back together, where no move is wasted. And they do it lightning fast, and it's amazing. And as somewhat strange as it might sound, I think it's a decent illustration of what God is doing. Every twist and turn, right, they're about the business of putting that puzzle back together. Everything has a purpose, every move. And God is doing the same thing. He's putting the world back to right. He reigns in righteousness and justice. He's taking this jumbled mess of a world and he's fixing it. So what does that mean for us? Well, what it means for us, I think it, the fact that he reigns in righteousness and justice I think it helps us understand the times when it seems like God is not doing good to us. Uh, when things are hard, when we suffer. Because what it means, it means that we have to, it means that we get to see our circumstances in light of God's sovereignty, his control over everything, and not the other way around. Does that make sense? What we tend to do, we tend to understand God's sovereignty. Is God in control? We tend to evaluate that in light of our circumstances. And when our circumstances are shot, when things are hard, it doesn't seem like he's in control. 
But if, and since, this is true, it means that we get to evaluate our circumstances in light of God's sovereignty. Look at verse 8. Zion hears and is glad. And the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. And look, you have to understand judgments here. It's not just, that's not just um, God bringing down the hammer on bad people. Right? The psalm does talk about that. Uh, judgments of a king, right? Whatever he decides. So it's not just negative. But his decisions. And here it says uh, uh, Zion, right? Which we've talked about the last few weeks. Um, God's people can be glad because they can know whatever the circumstance, he's working it for good. So it means that, you know, what if the person that you're praying for doesn't get better? What if you don't get better? Um, what if your financial situation doesn't improve and it get, what if it gets worse? Uh, what if you actually do get broken up with? What if you do lose your scholarship? What if you do fail that class? Right, even in the midst of those things, it can be so hard. What it means is that we, we get to look and say, even still, that I can begin to find joy. Because even in that, I know somehow God is working this for good. Now look, hear me. It doesn't mean that we rejoice that we failed that class or that that person got cancer or that they died. Right? We're not rejoicing in that bad thing. We're rejoicing in the fact that that bad, that God is bigger than that bad thing and somehow is still working it for good. Because bad things are bad. But God's bigger. Right? You think about Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Genesis 50, right? Joseph, when his about his brothers having sold him into slavery. He says, as for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God is always about righteousness and justice, even when it doesn't look like it. And there can be joy in that. Um, Also, just really quick, right? This idea that we also see in verse 5, verse 7, about God punishing the guilty. That's an important aspect of his reign as king. Verse 5, God burns up his adversaries all around. Verse 7, idolaters are put to shame, right? They're exposed for what they really are. And basically what it's saying is that one day, uh, and and even now God is at work in, and one day ultimately, evil is going to get what's coming to it. Right? What a comfort to know that when you watch the news or you read the news, like we talked about earlier, uh, and you hear about these terrible injustices these awful things that one day justice is going to be served. The people that have done wrong to you, the ways in which you've been abused and taken advantage of. What it means is that we have the comfort of knowing that God cares very much about righteousness and justice, that he, that somehow it actually means more to him even than it does to us. And he's going to put it back to right. All right, we see that God reigns in righteousness and justice. Thirdly and finally, we need to see that God reigns to deliver his people. 
verses 10 to 12. And look, what, you know, what an encouragement that is, right? It says that God, uh, he, he preserves his people. We get the picture there in those verses of God planting or, or scattering, sowing light for his people. And light is paralleled with joy. You get the picture of God uh, uh, taking light, taking joy, and just dumping it onto his people. Taking care of them. And so what we see is that we can rejoice because God is in control. And he's in control uh, He's in control always for right and good. And he's in control for right and good for us. For his people. That he's made promises to you and to me. And that he will keep them. In other words, you could say that that God reigns. and, And because he reigns, the chaos is never going to ultimately overwhelm you. He's going to make sure you make it. In the end, evil is not going to win. And that's good news for the righteous and the the saints and the people that love the Lord and hate evil. But you might be thinking, right, as you read that, you might be thinking that you're not entirely comfortable with that. um, About rejoicing that evil and, you know, is going to be repaid and, Evil's going to get what's coming to it because there might be a part of you uh, thinking, well, if I'm honest with myself, that, that sort of puts me in jeopardy. Because if all evil is going to be repaid, then I, I've kind of got a problem. And or you might be, uh, be thinking uh, about the, you know, when it talks about that this is for the righteous and the upright in heart and his saints you might be thinking, well, that, that would be nice, but I, I know my heart, and that's not me. And if you are thinking that, I actually hope you're thinking that. Because if you are, you're actually in the right spot. Because that's the, actually the only way that you and I are going to begin to find joy in God's reign is to begin to realize that you can't find it in yourself. All right, so what's the answer? How can God, on the one hand, reign in righteousness and justice? How can he bring about justice and right things and preserve his people and uphold people like us? And if he can do that, how can I know that that's for me? And I think those are all questions that have the same answer. And the answer, I think, begins back in verse 7. Look at verse 7. Uh, where it says, worship him, all you gods. All right, now, what do I mean by that? Well, look, the author of Hebrews, which has been sort of uncanny, we studied Hebrews in the fall, it's been amazing how many of the Psalms that we've picked up uh, that are referenced in Hebrews. But the author of Hebrews picks that up in, in chapter 1 of Hebrews. Uh, 1, verse 6. And if you look back at Hebrews, it's a slightly different translation, and like I'm going to spare you all the you know technical stuff, and just trust me, it seems to be coming from Psalm 97. Um, if you uh, want to dig more into that, talk to the seminary folks, and you can go to seminary, and you know we talk about it. Um, if not, just take my word for it. Um, 
So in Hebrews, right, if you recall, he's making the case to people that are tempted to go back and worship, uh, tempted to go back to Judaism, right? Worship the God of the Old Testament. Tempted to go back and, and leave Jesus and, and go back. And he's making the case. He's basically writing this whole letter and says, no, no, don't go back. Stay with Jesus. In fact, Jesus, in, in chapter 1, he's saying, Jesus is God. And one of the things he quotes, six verses in, is Psalm 97. He says the, the firstborn, the one born into the world. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And he says, he's the one of whom it was said. Worship him, all you gods. In Hebrews it says angels. So do you see the point? In other words, the, the author of Hebrews is saying that, that the Lord that reigns over all creation... Because these folks knew Psalm 97, the one that reigns over all creation in righteousness and justice, it actually is Jesus. It's him. He's the one, the, the one that walked on this earth, the one that died on the cross. He is the one true God. And so it brings a whole new understanding to the concept of God delivering his people. Because it means that the God that reigns over all creation that can make mountains melt is the one that shows up as a baby in a cattle stall. And the one whose lightnings light up the world, he commands lightning, is the one that hangs on a cross. He's so powerful he can do anything. And he shows up and he's, the end of his life is just this honestly sad, pathetic, seemingly powerless. He gets hung on a cross, and, and so ironic, right? He's mocked as what? Oh, the great king. Jews, here's your king. And it is absolutely true. He's the king in a way in which none of them could imagine. How can that be? Because you have to remember, like we said, things are not always the way they seem. Because Jesus on the cross, and really the entirety of his person and work, it's the ultimate expression of God reigning in righteousness and justice and preserving his people. How so? It's because on the cross, Jesus is experiencing all the wrath of God's justice for sin. Because he he takes the wrath of his people on himself so that every injustice gets righted. Every, Every wrong is paid for. And... Because he does it in our place, we get to go free. He reigns in absolute righteousness and goodness, justice. And he can preserve his people because of what he came and did. Because of who he, is, who he was and is. So that means that if you trust Christ, you have the very righteousness of Jesus. And you can actually plead for God's justice. 
Right? We sing the song, I can't think of the name of it right now. We say that justice uh, pleads, smiles and pleads no more. Because it's been met. And there's no better way to sum it up than what Paul says in Romans 3. Uh, verse 326, he says, speaking about Jesus and what he did, he says, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And that's the good news. That's the joy. That's where, that's where the joy begins. That the mighty God of creation came to earth to stand in our place. It's the greatest manifestation of his kingly reign that we're reading about here in Psalm 97. And if he's, if he's, that, if he's that good to do that for us, if he will do that, the more that gets down into our bones, the more we'll be able to, to trust him that he reigns over everything for our good. The more that gets down into us, the more we'll be able to let, let, our, let our hands go from, from curling our fingers around everything, trying to grab control of it. Because we can begin to trust him. Trust that everything he does is ultimately for our good. And that's the good news for us. That's the good news that's offered to you tonight. And I hope you take it. Maybe even for the first time. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you are the king. And you are the king that reigns in righteousness and justice. Perfect in both. And you preserve your people. And Father, because of that, we can rejoice. It doesn't make it easy. doesn't make life easy. Father, but it, would you work that in us that we might begin to rejoice? And we ask it in your name.